Attention, bobsled riders! You will soon be embarking on a thrilling podcast down the icy slopes of the Matterhorn. So please remain seated, keeping your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the bobsled at all times. Op Wiedersehen! Hello, Yolers! We are the Matterhorn Yolers. I am your host, Jackie, and we have... Jafil. And... Your imagination. No, it's Peter. And today we are going to be talking about characters that you can only see in the park. And with those characters in the park, some of them you're just like, it's cool looking, but what's their story? Why are they a part of the park history? Yeah, it's very true because, um, especially at Walt Disney World, because I know a lot of our listeners, they're more on the West Coast side of things, so they mostly know Disneyland very well. Well, some of these, and and they hear from other Disney fans about these characters that you can be also found at Disney World, and like, oh, who are those characters? I don't understand the reference. They're not from a movie or anything like that. And so this, you know, our discussion today is going to be about some of these characters who you may have heard about or have seen merchandise for, but... Mm -hmm. Just don't know much about, and we're going to, you know, all learn together. Yes. So, Peter, why don't you start us off with what character are you going to be teaching us about? Probably one of the more, you know, it's definitely exclusively a Disney World character, and that is Figment. And if you don't know who Figment is, he is a purple dragon. Um, Is his name Puff? No. No, nope, just his name is Figment. Oh. And we'll talk about that origin of the name, too. Um, and so he comes from Epcot. Uh, he has an attraction in the Imagination Pavilion called Journey into Imagination with Figment. And so, and he has his origins that, um, I mean, officially start when Epcot actually first opened, even though the pavilion wasn't fully the ride wasn't even open yet he still had a presence in the park but we're actually going to go even further back in time so we're looking at around 1976 we got imagineer tony baxter had just kind of finished work on a big thunder mountain for uh disneyland and so you know they had a big plan to to expand frontierland into this big multi uh, adventure land, but it all kind of got scrapped and when he only got Big Thunder Mountain. Um, and so he was looking at the remainder of the land that's north of Frontierland, uh, mainly the places where you might recall would be uh, where Star Wars Land is, as well as where Toontown is. There was nothing there. And so he's like, we can put something crazy here. And so he uh, came up with um, an idea called Discovery Bay, um, which was uh, very Jules Verne kind of uh, a land. Um, so you had like a Nautilus uh, restaurant. So you had to you got to go eat in the restaurant and things like that. And so they had like a a, um, a balloon ride that would take you probably to Tomorrowland. Um, so kind of to get rid of the sky buckets and put a balloon ride through there. Um, but there was also a rotating carousel show called Professor Marvel's Gallery. 
uh, which featured Professor Marvel uh, in a uh, similar show like uh, Carousel of Progress, um, where you're in this theater that rotates around different scenes, and each different scene would depict different magical creatures as well as his pet green dragon. Okay, but uh, Disney decided to not go forward with that because they were starting to work on Epcot as well as Tokyo Disneyland, and they're like, eh, we're going to hold off on that for now. And so basically that whole idea got scrapped. Tony got put in charge of the land pavilion. That didn't work out too well. He actually tried to bring something from his Discovery Bay idea to make it the uh, land pavilion, but that didn't... The different sponsors, uh, the original sponsors pulled out and new ones came in and they wanted something different. So he got put on another pavilion, which was the uh, pavilion for Kodak. I was going to say, Kodak yeah. was the original one. Kodak, uh, yes. So Kodak, so when, when uh, he was asking the sponsors, what do you want to do for this pavilion uh, you've, you, you're sponsoring? Um, and this is, uh, what did they say? Uh, just something imaginative. And so he came up with the Imagination Pavilion, um, which in a way became probably the uh, pavilion that tied all the other pavilions in Future World together. Because without imagination, you didn't see the advancements in, you know, agriculture or space travel, or, you know, like, it's everything centered on that idea of imagination. With imagination, you can accomplish anything. And so it kind of became, like, one of the most important pavilions in the park. Um, so they started working on it, and um, he kind of went back to his idea, back to Discovery Bay, about this Professor Marvel's gallery, um, and then they started tweaking it like uh, they usually do when they're retooling old ideas. And uh, so they come up with this guy called the Dreamfinder, uh, who was going to be kind of like the, the face of the pavilion, um, and that he would have a companion uh, called Figment, a little purple dragon. Uh, the reason why he, his colors changed was because Kodak thought it was too close the colors matched the same color as their competitor, I believe it was Fuji. Yeah, they used that green. And so they said, we don't want green, can we change it? And so they changed it to purple. If I have time in my editing, I'll probably put the little part of the song where he's de literally describing what the dragon looks like. <laughs> Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila, you got a figment. So the idea for figment, the name of figment, actually comes from, Tony Baxter was watching an episode of Magnum P.I. And um, like, just kind of like a throwaway line about, you know, it's like, oh, this goat ate some stuff. And it says, oh, that's a figment of your imagination. And that just, like, stuck with him. It's like, it's a well-known word, but it's not really used very often. Mm -hmm. And so it's, that's the perfect name for the dragon. And so that's where we get the name figment for the for our dragon friend. Cool, Magnum P.I. Yes, thanks to Magnum P.I., we have a name <laughs> for our purple dragon. 
Um, the design of the dragon, uh, a lot of credit goes to Exitensio for that, which we reference him a lot in our podcast. Once we learn, like once we have the Windows <laughs> yeah. episode, it's like, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. Right. It's like when you buy a car, and then you see your car everywhere. All everywhere. Oh, yes. And so, yeah, so him as well as other animators helped design the, the final look of Figment the Dragon. Um, and the Sherman Brothers wrote the song uh, One Little Spark. Oh, really? Yes. That's awesome. The Sherman Brothers. It's, it's catchy. It's, mm-hmm. it's playing in my head all the time. If you, if you listen to the, because uh, they had another guy uh, who also did most of the other music in Epcot. He also did uh, an imagination song, and you can listen to it, and it's like, yeah, one little spark's way better than this. It's a, it's a nice song. It's kind of like like a, almost kind of like a John Denver easiness yeah. uh, song to it. And it's, it's one of those like, like I could fall asleep to this and yes. crash yeah. into a mountain because how soothing it is. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so I, I don't want to go too much into the history of the attraction because honestly, we could probably do episodes on the Epcot pavilions themselves. I want to stay focused on the character, uh, but. Before, so when Epcot first opened, Kodak had a deal that basically said you, there needs to be something in that pavilion opening day of of, uh, of the park, which the ride, Journey into uh, Imagination, wasn't done yet. And it wasn't going to be ready for another couple of years. Um, so, and they weren't sure if the 3D show that was also going to be in the pavilion was going to be ready in time and the playground that they had inside Imageworks was in trouble. And so they came up with a solution of doing like a behind the scenes of the 3D movie that was going to be coming out soon. They actually filmed it all. It's actually, you can watch it online. It's kind of interesting, but it features, uh, the Dreamfinder as well as Figment, you know, running around Imagineering, basically. So you see a lot of, basically, things of all of Epcot pavilions. So, like, you'll see dragons from World of Motion and things like that. Um, yeah, they were they were barely getting things done. I talked to a maintenance guy when I worked there, and he worked as a projectionist. Because there was only like, I don't remember the size film. It was like 30, the number comes to mind is like yeah. 31 millimeter. Sure. And, you know, he went over to the, the, the one with the dinosaurs. The uh, Universe of Energy. Yes, Universe of Energy. And he went in there and he goes, there was just a big pile of dirt in the middle of the room. And like, <laughs> he's just like, and it's like. This is opening up in 30 days. Right. He was like, okay. Yeah, it was one of those things. And so, but one of the things is that eventually uh, the 3D movie was actually completed on time. So that was able to be in the pavilion on opening day, which was Magic Journeys, which is a really, really weird movie. You watch and you're like, somebody was taking something while making this. Uh, <laughs> Cough syrup. They had a cold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of that. Um, and so they didn't have to show that footage with Dreamfinder, like, showing all the behind-the-scenes stuff anymore because that was their original plan was to show that in the pavilion. But uh, Figment and Dreamfinder were walk-around characters opening day. Even though their attraction wasn't even open yet, they were around opening day, greeting guests, Dreamfinder would talk to him with his little 
figment dragon around his arm, um, you know, uh, and it was cute. It, they instantly became like favorites and became the unofficial uh, characters of the park. They are. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to like food and wine, like figment is over. Like all of that merchandise. Well, now it's like, Remy. Remy's kind of taken oh, over yeah. food and wine. At, at oh yeah. Uh, but for before Remy, it correct. Was now now Figment has the uh, the arts festival. Yes, that's right. So that's the one that he kind of takes over. So eventually the attraction opens uh, to a rousing you know fandom. Everyone loves this attraction. It be instantly becomes one of the most loved attractions Disney has ever created. Up there with. Uh, attractions like Horizons actually ranked higher than Horizons because it was a lot more engaging for younger audiences because you had the cool purple dragon figment who his personality at the beginning was very fun imaginative like he's trying to be different things they have like their finale where they're they show different footage of figment doing different things climbing a mountain or going into space and oh, yeah. things like that. So you might remember. I, I, barely, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. It's triggering some of those memories. Right. So, like, you know, the show, you know, again, the show was about Dreamfinder, and then Figment was kind of like a supplement to it. So, like, Figment wasn't even, like, a main part of the, of the thing. He was just kind of, like, along for the ride with us. Um, he kind of represented us on this journey. Through imagination. Asking questions. So, eventually, you know, and it maintained its popularity for quite some time. We get into the 90s. Again, I don't want to go too much details about this, but uh, Kodak isn't doing so good at this time because uh, digital photography is becoming a thing, so not as many people are buying film anymore. And Disney flashes in their face the contract that says that they were going to update the attraction at least once every 15 years and says, time's up, time's up. And so Kodak grabbed as much funds as they could to refurbish the ride. And it's garbage. And it was called Journey Into Your Imagination, which we rode in 2000. Yeah, that was garbage. It was only around for like two years. Um, And basically they took out... They took out almost 40% of the original ride. It was fun. They took out the, the this part of the track and made that the loading platform, like the center um, wheel that basically circulated yeah. where you saw the original Dreamfinder and Figment on his, sh- on his ship um, portion of the attraction, which, again, I would encourage our audience to take a look at that attraction, the, the, the old playthroughs. It and so it's, it's, it's a fun it was attraction. so much fun. And uh, they took out, and so basically they centered it on the then kind of old-ish uh, 3D show, uh, Honey Has Shrunk, the audience, which had, um, I have his name here, um, Eric Idle playing Dr. Nigel Channing. And he was kind of the host of the attraction which he plays a part in the Honey Has Shrunk the Audience show. Yes. Mm-hmm. As the host of that show as he well. He was in Monty Python. Yes. That's he where was, he was. He, yes. Correct. He's a, he, he made his fame through Monty Python. And so it was definitely 
put together very cheaply. They yeah, got Figment rid of the... Figment becomes, like, chaotic. The, yeah. We're not even at that point. Yeah. Figment is an Easter egg at this point. Oh, okay. Like, you see, like, stars make a shape of him, That's and he right. kind of, at the end, like, appears as his imagination, but doesn't really say and do anything. He just appears um, at the very end there. Um People like to criticize the fact that at the beginning of the ride, they like totally like make fun of you as guests and say, let's check your imagination meters. Oh, you have no imagination. <laughs> and so it's Thanks. like, oh, sure. <laughs> and so like, you know, and eventually that attraction got labeled as the worst attraction that Disney has ever built. Um, and so Kodak wasn't happy. Disney wasn't happy. And so Disney was all like, made a deal with Kodak and said, listen, we'll invest the money and make this attraction better. 9-11 happened mm. and, you know, everything changed, changed at that point. It so budget, budgets got yeah. cut. It was like, like to like less than a million dollars. And so like literally, I think I, so it closed in um, 2001 uh, and opened six months later. So that's how quick this refurbishment went and changed it back to Journey into Imagination starring Figment. And that is what we have today. Now, this attraction was only meant to be a temporary until they did another overhaul, but that never happened. 20 years later. Everything got cut except for the Little Mermaid ride, which became the Finding Nemo ride at the Living Seas um, and uh, Soarin'. Oh, yeah, Soren was was also part of that, but there was a plan to turn like Spaceship Earth into a roller coaster, and like crazy stuff. I think it was called Project Gemini, something like that. But again, that's that's another story for another. Peter time. loves Epcot. I do. I do love Epcot. I learned a lot. Like it was like I watched so many videos about this to to absorb this. But Figment does make his return as a prominent figure. Uh, most of the attraction remained the same with slight changes to paint and lighting. Uh, they did change the final scene of it to... They, they make you smell a fart. Yes. It's coffee. My buddy, my roommate <laughs> To was... me, I thought it smelled like popcorn. No, it's coffee. Oh. My buddy worked there and he's all like, the fart's really coffee. Yeah. It's like, always coffee. And I was all like, you smell it and you're like, it is coffee. I thought it, I thought it was popcorn. If I was like, like, it doesn't smell bad. Like, and, and who's the the host? It's still it's still Doctor yes. Nigel Channing. No, the, the the original host. Oh, Dreamfinder. Dreamfinder. Yes, his animatronics on the second floor, and it's just like he goes. It's quite sad to see him in a dilapidated state. Yeah, there's there's not too much remnants of Dreamfinder's animatronics. Um, a lot of figment. Imagineering saved a lot of figments uh, animatronics because there were a lot in the original attraction so uh they're not it's not confirmed whether or not the one because there is one in the uh disneyland version of tower terror the guardians galaxy mission breakout there's one in the lobby uh that you can kind of see through the um uh in in the box there uh figure so it's not confirmed whether or not that was an original animatronic or if that's like a remake from a mold or something um but yeah there's lots of that but 
Figment comes plays a more prominent role in the attraction because everyone loves Figment, but Figment's personality changes. Instead of being this fun, inquisitive, almost like childlike. Yeah, he was very friendly and like happy and like, oh, what if we do this? What if we do that? Now he becomes like this like annoyance and you know, disruptive figure in the attraction. So his person yeah. It's like an eleven year old. Yeah. With a lot of candy in their system. <laughs> it's like Go away. Even the host is all like, no, you're annoying me. Like, it's it's, it's evident that, like, they changed the personality. Obviously, the original voice for Figment had already passed on, so they had to get somebody new who went a little bit more annoying with, their to- with the tone of voice for Figment. Uh, but they did bring back the song, which they took out, um, which they, they kind of put throughout the attraction, and then one final imagination at the finale um but you use that song for your termination song yeah Yeah, so those who i think it's meant we've mentioned it a couple times there was a co-worker of mine who uh when i was working at disney world used the imagination song as a way to say uh, termination instead of imagination (laughs) and then i kind of went the next step and turned like the uh, the verses, not just the chorus, the, the verses as part of the termination. Like, hello there, I am your manager. <laughs> can they be terminated too? Of course! Termination can happen to any of us! You mean everyone can be terminated for different things? Of course! I feel like they should really make this a training video for Disney. It would make those training classes at University D a little more interesting. <laughs> You'd be all scared. You're all like, oh, Figment's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but to kind of wrap things up, Figment is become the, un- and he still is the unofficial mascot of all of Epcot, even though the whole idea of Epcot has evolved now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still considered kind of the uh, spokesman or the figure of it. As if you go to Disney World, you'll see merchandise for him. All over that park. You'll see little pins of this, yes. like, purple dragon with, little, like, orange, like, little thin Horns of a steer. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and he's also, and as we mentioned earlier, he's kind of plastered all over different festivals, festivals. that, you know, used to only last, like, a couple months. Now, now they're, they're just... year round. All year. There's, there's a new festival every yeah. year. So, you'll see lots of figment all over that merchandise as well. So... For those who may not have known, that is Figment and his origins. Nice. Let's jump over to J. Fifth. What character do you have? All right. I'll give a hint. Lightspeed Tandor! That's right. I'm going to talk about Captain Rex. You know, like, from Clone Wars? <laughs> you like, No. I'm talking about cooler. No, I'm talking about the Star Tours pilot named Rex, Captain Rex, R3X, DJ R, Tac 3X, or the original RX24. Um, yes, Star Tours pilot. He is an animatronic that leads you on your tour. He is your pilot, and it's his first flight. He's nervous. Um, introduced in 1987 as an audio animatronic at Star Tours, voiced by Paul Rubin. Jackie, do you know who Paul Rubin is? No, I'm terrible with names. So I, I'm, I'm sure you know who's, who's Paul Rubin. 
uh, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, Bingo. So he. You can you can tell like if you listen to the to the ride, you'll be like, yeah, that's totally. And Pee-wee. when he does his scream, like, ah! Ah! yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, <laughs> yep. And then you think of like Pee Wee Herman, you're all like tequila. Okay, so uh, back to Star Tours, Captain Rex. Yes, uh, he is the pilot of the Star Speeder 3000 spacecraft. He replaces the AC series pilot droid. So part of Rex's job and your experience at Star Tours, he's tasked for his first flight to Star Tours ST-45, a.k.a. Indoor Express. Flight goes wrong almost immediately. Rex takes a turn and flies himself and 40 passengers into a spaceport maintenance bay. Uh, instructs R2-D2 to make, and they escape the bay, and they instructs him to go to hyperspace to the force moon of Endor. Endor was featured in Return of the Jedi, where we learned that the, that the Ewoks eat the stormtroopers because they are cannibals <laughs> so enjoy that meat at indoor it's a stormtrooper um so they overshoot indoor into a comet field and you go twisting and turning almost like a pod race through this comet you bust through and you're stuck in the star stuck in a tractor beam of a star destroyer then you let go because the next wing tells you to, you know, release the brake, and then you're able to fly off into Star the Death Star. What are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you always feel convenient. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just a tourist. <laughs> oh, bad. <laughs> you join in the attack against the Death Star, hyperspace back after, you know, you. You fire off your missile, your guns. I don't know. Like, what do you? What are we really? What are we packing on this? Yes, you got lasers. This three thousand. They're, yeah. they're meant for destroying asteroids. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. the that's, that's the that's the actual purpose of them. But um, your but Death Stars will work too. Death Stars. Death Stars. Well, yeah. the, you don't you don't launch the torpedoes into oh, yeah, the yeah, Death yeah, Star. Yeah, the X wings in front of you. Do. Yeah. Okay. That's right. But you do blow up TIE Fighters. It would have been cool if we had little buttons on our seat where we could like, <laughs> act like we're pushing it on the right. Um, we hyperspace back to Star Tours, narrowly breaking uh, before we crash into the fuel tank. Um, lots of fun. That's the original Star Tours. It came about, you know, Disney's in that lull. The better version of Star Tours. Yes, <laughs> and we'll, we'll discuss more about this. Uh, yes, so Michael Eisner's taking over... We need to jumpstart our parks again. That's what yep. we're doing. You know, you get this period of Splash Mountain and Star Tours come together. They're like sister rides. They come they did. at the they, same time. They did. Um, so what's hotter in the, you know, late 80s? Or the, not the late, the early 80s? You have Star Wars. People, oh, yeah. It was just the biggest space film. It was a big phenomenon, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's... To the point where you have people 40 years later going, that was amazing. It's my childhood. Like, mm-hmm. a childhood-defining childhood, childhood defining movie series such as that. Um, so, Disney, Star Wars, they work together. They come up with Star Tours. I think they did a great job in infusing a ride, giving its own originality, but, you know, infusing the Star Wars universe in there. But, of course, they needed a character, and they they created Captain Rex. And so he's your pilot. Um, let's see. Uh, some little, like, 
things that guests may not have seen with Rex is that he actually has a tag on him. Do you know what was on the tag, Peter? Uh, I I know at one point I knew. I don't think I can pull it out of my head in this so, at this moment. You know, everyone gets that that little trinket, that electronic, and the batteries, and you know you got to pull the tab. So Rex had one of those. He had uh, a red tag that says "Remove before flight" written from his torso, oh, which may explain that. the tendency to malfunction. And his bumbling nature. <laughs> yeah, did not know that. That was so fun. I learned something new. There. Um, at, and so Star Tours, as Peter says, it's not the same. I gave you the, the, the synopsis of the original ride, and Disney's like, it was, I remember when, towards the end, I was like, yeah, I'm getting tired of this. I want something different. different. And they Disney came through. They gave us something different. They did. Yes. They gave you how many different scenarios? Or like 51 different scenarios I you think could have it had. It was something like that at the very beginning. And so you have these different possibilities of different scenes from the first six movies. Yeah. You know, where you go to uh, Geonosis and then you've got um, Slave One. I don't think it's called Slave One anymore. I think they changed it. Uh, yeah, Boba Fett ship, ship, or Jango uh, Fed ship, and so they, they, you know, the the sonic bombs going off. That, yeah. that was fun. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, people didn't like the 3D glass, the new ones yeah, that came out. The, the glasses that, didn't help. I didn't mind they it. didn't like the pressure. Oh, it hurts my ears. <laughs> I just didn't feel that the the attraction needed 3D. You don't think so? No. Did it have 3D before? No. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 3D? Okay. Yeah, I guess that was for people having emotions. Okay. It was, as a kid, it seemed like it was more, it jolted more. Oh, yeah, it totally was. They and tamed they, it down. They yeah. totally tamed it down. Because mom was like, I'm not riding that ride. <laughs> Hurts my back. <laughs> um, so they changed it. And, you know, when it first opened, I think I was working there around the time when they first opened it. And uh, people really liked it. Um, I enjoyed it. I just didn't ride it very often. Um Let's see, and then which I do have a gripe. Like when that tra- when the first time I was riding that attraction, I rode it several times because I wanted to see the different scenes. And you just kept in the same. Three movie. times I saw the same two locations. Three times, yeah. and I'm like, and all the all the in between characters was all different, but like the locations were the same. It was yeah. just like you have gotta be kidding me. And they could like oh, and then we've got a spy in our midst. I love you know? the rebel spies. I that that, that spy was a fun. Once. I've when, gotten it once. When, uh, yeah, you gotta like flirt with the cast member to be the rebel spy. <laughs> I went with a friend and my buddy, my old roommate that we were just discussing, who worked at Figment. He went to Disneyland and he started working at Star Tours. And I gave him my roll of sandwich and he like, um, um, the girl I was uh, like there at the park with, she became the rebel spy. And I was like, I gave you the sandwich, not her. I'm the rebel spy. Um, unfortunately, Rex was taken out of that new version of the attraction because the whole ride takes place five years prior to original. So it's not Star Wars 2.0. It's like Star Wars and a half, I guess. Something. And then Something it, like they kind of blurred the lines and just forgot about that. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, it's a ride. We never really made anything official. But you can see remnants of Rex in the queue. Yes. He's in the storage bins like, oh, look, we've got this new pilot. And so that that is there. 
um, kind of like an Easter egg of like we haven't forgot about Rex, but he's and if you sit there long enough, if you're able to, because sometimes when you're at that portion, it moves quite a bit. He will kind of malfunctionally say things that he used to say. Yeah. Um. So with that, Galaxy Edge opens and Rex finds a new place. Yeah, he, he ends, got a new job. He got a new job. So apparently his story is. He was doing a star tours to Batu. He crashes, which happens there, and he um, is fixed up by. Well, let me look this up. Oh, Bubu no. at the Droid Depot oh. at Black Spire Outpost, and he's redesignated R3X or DJRA R3X, and so he goes to Ogagara's Cantina. Um, for people who don't know who Ogagara, excuse me. Oga Gara, she is the head mafia lady of Black Spire. She knows all and she controls all there. Hence why she has the cantina. She's in charge of You would think everything runs through the cantina. Um, and he is the DJ. Once in a while, you'll hear him um, malfunction. And so he will, like, say, Lightspeed Andor! I think that's what he says. I must yeah. say, like, he's, it's a really fun environment in the cantina, because I've been to the one at Disneyland, and, like, I love what they did with Rex there. And... They gave him, like, a microphone, like an old-school microphone yeah. mouth. It's yeah. like the little, like, port, like, circle one from the videos I've seen. So I think that's cool. Um, there's also, there's Easter eggs of him. At Jock Lindsay's hangar bar, we do mention him in the, uh, what is it, uh, the secret, the, the, what is it, the secret story. Yeah. Um, organization C. Yeah, Organization mm-hmm. C, S-E-A. So, uh, Jock Lindsay, uh, there's a salvage airplane with a code that says RX2 Tech 4. So, that is a homage to uh, George Lucas's, one of his characters. Uh, one of several characters in Star Wars that are mentioned at the bar. Uh, and then at the Sci-Fi Diner at Hollywood Studios, you could see RX24 or Rex at Star Tours decorated uh, throughout the restroom, kind of the restaurant with the storyboard. They have it there. Mm. But they have lots of stuff. Yeah, that, that, that place there. is covered with little yes. Easter eggs. Um, let's see. Fun fact about Disneyland Paris, Rex, he has a love interest. In the original attraction before the update, Rex was a love interest of ROXN, the feminine program uh, droid. Worked at the L, uh, uh, the Aspro, excuse me, I forgot the L is always attached to uh, a vowel starting French word. So it's the, the Astroport service interstellar. So the interstellar uh, port there. I didn't know that. So yeah, he, he, cool. he has a little, little, little love interest right there. Um, let's see. Oh, Paul Rubin is the voice of all mm-hmm. the RX, and you could see Rex in an episode oh, yeah. of, of Rebels. Rebels. Right? Yeah, but I it's not that. the same one mm-hmm. from Star Tours. It's a yeah, different one. But it's because still voiced by yes. Paul Rubin. It's still voiced by him. I forgot, and I have it here. The episode is called Droids in Distress. Seems appropriate. Oh, it's the one with C three PO and R two D two. Yes, I remember that one. I think it's season one of those. Uh, I didn't write it down what season. Um, uh, sad note, Paul Rubin, and when he was confronted about the update to Star Tours, 
He goes, yes, they didn't let me know they took me out of the ride until I was at one of these panels at Comic-Con, and it made me really sad, because at that point, I lost my Forever Pass, which gave him a plus three whenever he could go to the park. Oh, I didn't And that's why he was like, I wasn't sad about losing my voice in the park. I was sad about losing my pass to Disneyland. Well, now he's probably got it back now. I think he's probably got it. Yeah. It was, it was like, well, oh, if Disney gives those out anymore, I don't even know. I don't know if they give those out to, like, people that contribute to the park. I mean, they give them to people who retire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's Rex's Rex's story. Um, he's beloved by Star Star Wars fans and Disney Star Wars fans. And, you know, the Imagineers, you know, thankfully they, they placed him in the park. And so he is, he's there. Yeah. And that is, that's Rex. Captain Rex. Captain Rex. I like Captain Rex. All right, so we will be talking up for the last character. It is the Orange Bird, which is a very uh, character that you will see at Disney World mostly. Only. Only. Exclusive. It is a, yeah, it is an only Disney World character for the most part. You can see him at Disneyland, and I'll go into that. Oh, okay. We're being told. Yeah. So. Please correct me. uh, The Orange Bird is a character created uh, by Disney for the Florida Citrus Commission as a mascot. Um, And it was permanently featured in Magic Kingdom Adventureland at the Sunshine Tree Terrace near the Walt Disney Enchanted Tiki Room. That's where you get your Dole Whips. Yeah, basically it was a sponsorship of it. And so the orange bird, uh, it's a dilemma, is the orange bird is a small bird resembling an orange or it's an orange with bird features? I think it's the latter. It's the orange with with bird-like features. features. Okay. I could go either way on that. I see both, but my gut, like, as soon as he said it, it's like, it's the second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. J Fifth has told us. That's I didn't even is. know it was a character until like the fortieth anniversary when I was working and they brought this character and I was like, Who the heck is that? <laughs> and like the nerd's like, Well let me tell you about it <laughs> <laughs> So the orange so the history of the orange bird. The orange bird used to live up north in the United States before deciding to migrate to Florida for its high quality of citrus to eat. And uh it would come to live in the sunshine tree of Adventureland. Unlike other birds, the orange bird um, cannot um, sing. Um, and so instead... <laughs> it's another scuttle. <laughs> scuttle him and Iago were not yeah. They can't uh, like, speak like normal, so instead it communicates... With orange color thought bubbles. Oh, I thought it just started squirting orange juice at people. <laughs> you gotta worry, I, you gotta worry oh, about oranges, well, birds that are oranges that are squirting you, and camels that spit in adventure. Right. <laughs> Great. No, no, it just has thought bubbles. That's how it communicates. Okay. And, uh, uh, so the orange bird, he is mocked by other birds. I believe it. Have you seen his head? It's freakishly huge. So, like, is that orange talking to me? No, those are orange thought bubbles. Um, and so the orange 
Lunchbird generally looks for friends wherever he goes. So if you see the Lunchbird, he's looking for friends. Just start laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 40 years, bro. Yeah, mate, I'm not going to. I'm sorry, I don't speak orange bubble. I'm sorry, I can't get off that. I think it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Imagineering at its best. Yes. So, the orange bird was created in 1970 as the mascot for the Florida Citrus Commissioner, right? It was sitting in the Tiki Room, or next, sponsoring, it was sponsoring the Tiki Room at Magic Kingdom. Um, And uh, he also, like, uh, was partnered with Anita Bryant, uh, which was a singer, where they would do like promotionals with, um, and so the two appeared in ads for Florida oranges, um, and the uh, singer Anita Bryant would narrate and record albums telling the the character story of the Orange Bird, um, but then Anita Bryant ditched the partnership and in the late 70s they heard they heard that orange juice is not really orange juice it's it's zombie juice (laughs) so like florida's got these giant like containers of orange juice and they have to like put artificial flavoring to make it into like flavorful orange juice read about it Zombie orange juice. Okay. I'm just throwing. I just like. I'm just like. I heard it once, and I think it's just the funniest <laughs> thing to hear. Yeah. And I just want the listeners to be like, "What is this zombie, zombie orange juice?" Zombie orange juice. I must have this zombie orange juice. Well, you do. It's in every grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> Tropicana. Zombie. Zombie orange. <laughs> so the orange bird had a solo career and appeared in few educational sport uh, shorts. In the 1980s, such as like food and um, fun nutritional like promotionals, um, eventually the bird, orange bird, faded away. And... Yeah, Tampico uh, peacock <laughs> beat it up. Yeah. And basically, <laughs> you're envisioning a peacock beating up the orange bird. <laughs> orange bubble, orange bubble, orange bubble versus blue bubble, blue bubble. <laughs> All right, so 1987, the Florida, the FCC ended its. The sponsorship of the Orange Bird. And it was retired. It was retired. Years later, though, Tokyo Disneyland in 2004 brought the Orange Bird back in their parks. Um, they probably got a crate, and they're like, what are we supposed to do with this? And like, oh, those guys in costuming at Disney World, they're so funny. Like, well, it's here, let's use it. Right. And so uh, the Orange Bird became popular again. Um, in Japan, and uh, on April 14th, the Orange Bird uh, returned on some merchandise in the U.S. What year? Uh, 2004. Okay. Yes, 2004. Yes. Testing the ground, trying to see if it'll... The diehards can remember. Right. Let's see here. And then... On April 17th, 
2012, the orange bird made a proper return to the Sunshine Tree Terrace. Never once saw it. Except for, like, merchandise. Yeah, so you can actually, like... Apparently there's, like, uh, they had a meet and greet with Orange Bird, which was interesting. It was not the my favorite-looking uh, meet and greet, I would say, for the Orange Bird. Um, it looked like those standard ones that you would see, like, at Times Square, almost. <laughs> <laughs> ah, like, right in front of the, the Chinese Theater in yeah. Hollywood, like, those, those yeah. sort of... Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that's, so 2012, it's been brought back, um, since then, um, it's been in some animated shorts, um, that I discussed before, talked about nutrition, you've got, it can be a meet and greet in the Disney parks, though I have, I've never seen it in I worked in Adventureland, didn't see a meet and greet there, and I don't think it was at the time. If you do, it's probably for training. Yeah, I'm not sure. They do the training at Epcot. So, like, when they're getting character trained, you'll see a bunch of characters, like, that really don't belong at Epcot by mm-hmm. the American Pavilion. And that's the training day. Like, that's their, like, these are, like, the newest Epcot or Animal Kingdom Lodge. Because uh, I, see yes. a, I see a lot over like, Animal Kingdom. Yeah, so at Animal Kingdom Lodge, they have classrooms mm. there for training. And so yeah. they'll come in the lobby and so yeah they've got a uh studio by mm-hmm. uh animal kingdom and so when you have like tryouts you'll go through there yes. or you'll get your proficiencies like for your proficiencies you'll have to be like act out a scene and they have to try to like guess or like i'm this character and you're like totally acting out a scene from the movie in your tryout that's cool so of course you can see the orange bird on a ton of merchandise at disney world you can see them, of course, in Adventureland, in, um, near the Tiki Room, Sunshine Tree Terrace, where you can get a dual whip. Um, it's also, the Orange Bird makes an appearance in the Skipper Cantina book. And um, the Orange Bird actually appears at Trader Sam at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, uh, there you go. That would make sense. It's the zombie orange juice. <laughs> it makes sense. If you get a zombie screwdriver, you get that orange juice. I'm sorry. sorry. I'll pull back. So that is the history of the orange bird. Cool. It's a fun character. I was I was surprised that you said you were gonna do orange bird. I was all like, okay, all right, let's see what you uh, what you find out with orange bird. That was informative. Yeah, like, it was I, a character I that, that was just thrown in the park, and they're like, yeah. yeah, it was during day opening day, and that's all people would ever tell yep. me. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And now he's popular amongst Disney super fans. So, oh yeah, super fans will. Yeah. I knew somebody that collected anything orange bird. I just remember, like, they, so the Disney will make, like, really nice, like, women's dresses and stuff, and they made, like, an orange bird one, and I was like, what is even the orange bird? Like, where did that come from? I get it, it's, like, a Florida thing, but yeah, it doesn't relate to anything, but it was back in the 70s. I would think Disneyland would embrace it, because Disneyland was made on orange groves, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
maybe maybe a movie's in the works. Orange Bird the movie. No, Orange Bubbles. Orange Thought Bubbles. Princess of Peacock. (laughs) The Orange Bubbles are actually like Morse code. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) To all those who come to this happy place. (laughs) Yeah. Well, tell us what you're... Out of these three characters, which one's your favorite? The Orange Bird... Rex. Captain Rex. Captain Rex and... Figment. Figment. Which one are you a fan of? And is there a Disney Park character that you may have seen in the park but have no idea... Don Canard is one. They just bring that one out of nowhere. <laughs> Don Canard is a random like, one. It's been like 30 years since that show, and they're like, Don Canard! <laughs> I know, right? But uh, yeah, if there's a unique uh, character, maybe uh, Sunny Eclipse, that's a very popular one at Disney World. Oh, the, the downtown uh, uh, Disney old mascot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The moon. The, the moon guy. Yeah, I forgot his name. Oh, and then there was the butler at Horizon. Oh, the robot butler. The yeah. robot butler, and then there was the trash can we mentioned. Push the trash can. Yeah. I heard Robin so. Williams, like, crack jokes. Like, he was in control of it one time. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I, cool. I, I don't know if that's his I urban would... legend. Well, there may be another sequel on other park characters. <laughs> There's a lot of unique Disney park characters that we could go into more detail yeah. on, for sure. But definitely... Comment on our social media posts. We post on our Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Um, You can go to our Anchor website and leave a voice message for us. Um, And you can email us at matterhornyodlers at gmail.com. And that's all we have. Have a magical day. It's termination. It's termination. One word could be your worst nightmare But just one act, you're gone like that